This episode of Shaun of the South is brought to you by Case Knives, a tradition of my family dating back to my granddaddy who once said the best cure for idle hands was to build something. So keep your hands sharp with a Case Knife. And by WNC Original Music, my buddy Ron Taylor at WNC Original Music curates music for this show every single week, bringing to you the best bands in America, independent and otherwise. Do yourself a favor and visit my buddy, WNC Original Music Podcast. You will not regret it. And by Folklore Brewing and Meadry, quite literally, the best brew in Alabama. Visit FolkloreBrewingAndMeadry.com. And now let's have a tune here from the Crickets. Sitting on the banks of the Magnolia River, trying to figure out which way I should go. I get head upstream Find the bottom of the bottomless cold Give a head downstream on this winding river I'll eventually end up in warm weeks bay Who's to say which way is better The decision's mine at the end of the day
This portion of our program is brought to you by visitnorthalabama.org, the Mountain Lakes Tourist Association. Visit the 16 North Alabama counties and make this state what it is. The Alabama Bass Fishing Trail features 13 of Alabama's premier bass fishing lakes and stretches from the mountains of North Alabama heading south to the Mobile Bay. You might lie awake at night sometimes and wonder if you're a fisherman or not. Well, here's a litmus test for you. It's very easy. You can do it in the privacy of your own home. Look in your refrigerator. And if you see tartar sauce inside or cans of beer, you are a fisherman. Whatever you do, you can do it better in North Alabama. So visit NorthAlabama.org or hashtag VisitNorthAL. In 1953, my grandpa always said he wanted to go back.
interrupt this broadcast and bring you a public service announcement from your local church ladies. Your local church ladies are concerned that the last visit you made to the doctor gave you too clean of a bill of health. They would like to help you out in this situation by making for you casseroles with more saturated fat and cholesterol than legally allowed by U.S. standards. Go visit your local church lady today and she can help you put on extra weight, increase your cholesterol count, and of course help your blood pressure skyrocket through the roof with cornflake and potato casserole that will bless your heart, blow your mind, and make a believer out of you. This has been a public service announcement for the Local Church Lady Union, Chapter Number 5. Run on down through tall green fields Blades of grass slip through your letter said a fortnight's wait here I stand where it all Bring back my 
Listening to Sean of the South, and I'm your host today, Sean Dietrich. And man, it is a bona fide pleasure coming to you live via the podcast airwaves of the radio waves all over this fine nation are coming to you through your minivan stereo speakers or your car stereo speakers or them little tiny speakers embedded in the bottom of your cell phone. If that's how you listen to podcasts without earbuds or earphones, because you are poor. And if you are, well, join the crowd. I can understand this in a deep way. Besides, you wouldn't want to be one of them people who puts that Bluetooth stuff and inside their ears and listens to stuff in public and then you know laughs and talks about it while you're in public i mean everybody looks at you a little funny you don't want to be one of those people so it's a good thing that you're listening to it through the the little speakers because if you are that means you are doing it in private and if you're doing it in private that means that i can say things uh, without having to draw the attention of other people onlookers who are looking at you saying why are you listening to this fool which brings up an important point. Why are you listening to this fool? I have listened to a few of the podcasts that, that came out of this little studio that they recorded. And I'm going to tell you, I think they're terrible. I really do. I mean, not just terrible, but uh, God awful, which is another level altogether. I mean, I the, the one thing that's really weird to me is the voice. Okay. I, when I speak... To you, they do something kind of funky to it uh, behind that recording booth glass. And it sounds like I am one of them, you know, folks on talk radio where I'm just real flat and emotionless and nothing comes through my voice. And I, it's weird. My wife didn't even recognize, you know, my voice. Well, I guess that's just the price you pay when you do one of these things. So if you're listening to this... This is just a good time to turn it off and do something positive for yourself. You know, listen to some music, enjoy a book. You don't have to listen to this this garbage. But if you are, you must really be hard up. And if you're really hard up and you're listening to this to pass the time, after I offer you my sincerest apologies, I do want to tell you that I actually do have something I want to talk about today. Something that that I have been thinking about a lot lately because my mother gave me a big old cardboard box of old family photographs and she gave it to me because it had been sitting in her attic and she thought perhaps a leak had been coming down and she wanted to uh, put it in a safe place well I got this closet every closet in my house is owned by my wife and we're not allowed to use these closets for anything but storage even our own personal bedroom closet. Our personal bedroom closet is about 95% my wife's clothing, 4% my wife's shoes, and 1% my clothes. I'm only allowed very, very small and meager clothing items because that's all I can fit in my closet. My wife 
has staked claim over our closet a long time ago. So I, if you see me in public only wearing my one pair of pants and shirt and, and my pair of shoes that I've had since the Reagan administration, now you know why. Well, my mother gave me this box. It was faded and brown. It had that Sharpie letters on the sides that said, Family Photos. And I looked at it, and I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. There are photos in there that date all the way back to the early 1900s. There's a photo of my of my great-grandparents and a photo of my grandfather when he was just a little tiny boy. A little tiny boy. He was born in 1911, and he's just dressed like they used to dress in 1911. You know, a long time ago, men who were born in the early 1900s and even in, in the late 1800s and early 1800s, they wore dresses. Boys, not men, I'm sorry. Boys wore dresses. That was the main fashion for children who were infant to toddlerhood. Dresses. Big old white lacy dresses. And they get their portraits made in these dresses. Huh. Very interesting to watch, I have to tell you. Uh, when, when your wife looks at some photograph that looks just like you. I look a lot like my grandfather. Looks just like you, only you wearing a dress. She kind of looks her looks at you sideways. But... After sifting through these photographs of my grandfather and my grandmother and then photos from the old, from the 1940s and in the war era when my grandmother and my grandfather were dancing, and he's wearing his, his uh, Air Corps uniform, not Air Force, Air Corps. Air Corps was an extension of the Army before the Air Force, and he was a member of the Air Corps before it went to the Air Force. And my grandmother looks so beautiful. She's got that hair that's, that's rolled in them coffee can rolls that them girls used to use way back in the 40s. And there, she's holding on to my grandfather's coat, and she's smiling with that, that trademarked smile that they have. And my grandfather's looking at the camera, and I, I love these pictures. And then I sit through these and I get to the 1950s and 1960s when the hairstyles change and the brutal cream usage goes considerably goes considerably up and is more prevalent in the U.S. and now we're looking at me now there's all my pictures and I could hardly stand it now nobody tells you that when you're growing up you're getting your picture taken all the time my father believed in taking a lot of pictures because he grew up not very he he had he didn't have a whole lot of money and he remarked one time to me that he was a little bit disappointed that when he was growing up nobody ever took any pictures of him and so by the time he was an adult he realized he didn't have no pictures of himself and he said he wasn't going to do that to me so my father always had a little camera he had one of them brownie cameras that he just carried everywhere he just now, back then, uh, we used film, and today they use digital. You can take considerably more pictures, so it actually cost my father a little bit of money. He was always buying film. He was always snapping pictures of me doing the most stupid things, and because of this, I have a well-documented childhood. And you can look at my pictures, and you can see me go... I've changed hair colors three times in my life. When I was first born, I had copper-colored hair. Oh, man. My mother says it was the... The shade of a new penny, copper-colored hair. As soon as I came out the womb, I had this copper-colored hair. And then my hair changed, and I went to a platinum blonde just for a little bit. Platinum blonde hair. 
And then I changed back to a redhead, more of an auburn color red. That was me. And of course, something else happened to me. I got chubby. This is hard for me to talk about. You have boys in this life, girls in this life, who look in the mirror when they're growing up. And they see this reflection looking back at them. And this reflection is round and chubby. Once you have seen yourself this way and your mind has grown to to accept this image of you, that's it. For the rest of your life, you will see yourself as a little butterball turkey. I can be walking past the mirror today. And today I'm I, I'm I'm kind of skinny i grew grew out of that chubbiness like my mother said i would when i was 16 years old she she just like my mother had predicted i grew out of my chubbiness and so now when i look in the mirror i see a a a six foot one skinny guy with legs that look like a man who's riding a chicken across the front yard and i've got no shape at all but in my mind i see Little chubby butterball, honey boo boo. That's me. I am not one of them people who can look in the mirror and see a good looking person looking back at them. Now, I have friends who have, uh, they've grown to love their own reflection. Maybe they were told that they were a nice looking child all their life and they just believed it. Or maybe they really truly were just an exceptional human being, even though everybody kind of gets awkward and somewhat ugly during their teenage years, even just for, for a week or so. And everybody gets zits and all that. Somehow these kids navigated through that and they just turned out beautiful and they were, they were always beautiful. Well, not me. Uh, first of all, beauty just never ran in my family. And I would look at myself in the mirror when I was growing up and I would see this chubby child and I would just cringe. I did not like my own reflection. I did not like myself. I had this pale white skin that looked like the same shade of Elmer's glue. And I had these buckshot freckles and my teeth always were funky. I always had funky teeth. I had two Bugs Bunny buck front teeth so that when I smile, my lips could hardly get over these two front teeth. And even today, when I smile big, all you see are the two Bugs Bunny front teeth. I look like a beaver on his way to chop down a few logs and build himself a dam. I was not a good looking child. And in these photographs that I was looking at, I was just humiliated in front of myself. Really, truly humiliated. Childhood is hard. Childhood is, is, it leads you into teenagehood, which is even harder. And then you go through your young adulthood, and that is triple hard. But childhood starts all this. Well, in some of these pictures, I'm seeing some things I'd like to forget. Nobody tells you that memories can be painful. They really can wound you all over again. And I looked at these pictures that my mother gave me in that brown cardboard box, and I just was sick to my stomach. It was worse than I had remembered. <laughs> I was not just, you know, not good looking. I was flat out ugly. And I don't mean to talk bad about myself because uh, that's not fair. Because I've always seen the different versions of myself in my life as separate versions of me. You know, you have young you. 
You have adolescent you, and you have 20-year-old you, and you have adult you, and married you, and if you got kids, you got the parental you. Well, I see all these different me's, and I, I like to exert a little bit of sympathy toward these me's. But I do want to tell you the truth. When I saw that picture of young me, the first picture I saw, I had this pink polo shirt on. I don't know why my mother decided to put me in a pink polo shirt. Good Lord. And it was a little bit tight. And it was tucked in to a pair of jeans. Now, what kind of dork tucks his shirt into a pair of jeans? Well, we did. But when you're a chubby child... This is not something you want immortalized on film. This picture of a young chubby boy who looks like you could roll him down the hallway with his shirt tucked into a pair of jeans. Now, pink doesn't go well with red hair. That's another issue that I'll leave alone. How my mother let me leave the house like this, I'll never know. But I hated this photograph. Even today, I hated this photograph. So I flipped through it and I found another photo. There I was, somebody in their, in their godly, in their craziness, gave me a tank top. A tank top. Who in their right mind lets a child wear a tank top? But going a step further, who in their right mind lets a chubby child wear a tank top and then goes a step? even another step further and takes a picture of him and immortalizes that photograph on celluloid film places into a cardboard box so that child can remember this moment for the rest of his life there i was in this yellow tank top looking like a fool my god i flipped past it and there were more it never ended it were just photographs of me looking as bad as you can stand and i was sick i'm not gonna lie I was sick for, golly, two days. Two days I could not stand the thought that my childhood had been this bad. And I was I was feeling pretty bad about it. Well, my sister had a belated birthday party across town uh, over on the bay. And my wife and I drove in from, I uh, had just given a, done a show in Fairhope, Alabama. This is a. Uh, few nights ago and we drove in hot coming in hot we drive a little plumber's van is what i call it when we started traveling full time and doing the show with various bands and such in different towns we had to get wheels for transportation and uh, we looked at everything that that was cheap and used and would house all of our crap because my wife is incapable of tr uh, crossing the street without loading something to capacity. Well, the thing that had the most cubic square inches of storage was this thing called a Ford Transit Connect. And basically, it is the same kind of van that people who work for LabCorp and come to your place of employment to collect stool samples drive. So this is my this is my vehicle. We pull into some tiny town to, to do some show and everybody's looking around for for something else a whole lot more masculine and we pull up in this little four-cylinder stool sample van and they see us crawl out and they don't really know what to think so we pulled into this large line of traffic that was outside my sister's 
uh, brother-in-law's house for a surprise birthday party that had been planned for weeks and weeks and weeks. And my wife and I had been on the road for nine days and we were tired and we were a little bit hungry and uh, the dogs were waiting at home for us. And we pulled into this little parallel parking space my wife is an excellent parallel parker if it had been left up to me there would have been four damaged cars and we run out of that car across the street because we're late we're always late and i'm sorry for that if anybody listened to this has ever been burned by me being late this is my sincere apology we crawled through this little gate in the backyard and the backyard was lit up to beat the band there were these cocktail lights strung from the top there's a bluegrass band playing and there were there were people milling about everybody all kinds of people there were dogs and cats and children and and adults and politicians and little toddlers running around in poopy diapers and i found my mother back there and she was in the corner by this <laughs> if you can believe it she was standing by a keg of beer my mother She's a little woman. She's about five foot two. Well, she used to be five foot two. Today she is five foot. Women tend to shrink when they get older. And she was standing by this little keg that had these nozzles coming out of it. And she was holding a solo cup. My mother, a solo cup. And she said it was a Miller Lite in her hand. My mother drinking a Miller Lite. Now, this is a modern marvel especially when you consider that my mother is the kind of woman who, when I was growing up, always closed her eyes during Rock of Ages or any Ronnie Millsap song. She was the kind of woman who, whenever we would get the Sears catalog in the mail, she would douse it in lighter fluid and set it on fire in a tin bucket because this catalog contained images of advertisements for women's underwear that I could not be allowed to see. This is a woman who did not believe in premarital relations because it could lead to dancing. Think about that if you have to for a second. And there she is drinking a Miller Lite. Not even a good beer, but a Miller Lite. I ain't got nothing against Miller Lite, but I'd much rather have a Paps Blue Ribbon or, or a Bud Weiser, the real kind of Budweiser. I don't know how they make a beer light except by... You know, adding raccoon snot. And she said, can I get you a beer? And I about fell over. I looked at her and I said, yes, I'll take a beer. She went over and she got me a beer. And we were waiting on my sister to arrive. She was going to arrive. We were all supposed to yell surprise. And all these people are milling about. And there's a kid running around, this little boy. And he is, so help me. He is over there in the corner shoving mud up his nose. And my mom and I are looking at this boy. And I'm holding this solo cup with my mother. And we start sharing memories. This is a long American pastime, sharing memories. You know how it goes. When somebody offers a memory, you offer another memory. And these memories, they're only supposed to be about one sentence long. Anything more than that, such as uh, 30 so minutes, <laughs> like what you're hearing today, is totally boring and will absolutely make you fall asleep. I have had letters since we switched the formats saying that people are using these podcasts as sleep aids. They have been proven to be more effective than chemical ph pharmaceuticals. So 
you're welcome if you uh, are using this to fall asleep. And I hope you have sweet dreams, and I'll see you tomorrow. You share one sentence, and you just talk. It's not a complicated thing to share memories. My mother would say, you remember that one time when we broke down on the side of the road? And I counter back with, yeah, do you remember that one time when we were, we were you know, driving along so-and-so? And, and she counters back with, hey, do you remember that time we went to San Antonio? San Antonio. And I look at her, and I say, yeah. I remember that time. And I will never forget that time. I could never forget that time if I ever tried. Because in San Antonio, I was a little boy and I was on a tour boat with my mother. And I was leaning over the side, this little chubby boy leaning over the side, looking into the river on his tour boat. There was a Mexican man who was giving this tour. And I fell clean off the side and I hit the water and splashed and sunk like a chubby little cinder block this was humiliating of all the humiliations this is one of the most because this little mexican man had to pull me out the water and he got me out and onto the boat and i was sitting on the bow of the boat this chubby little fat kid and everybody on the tour boat was looking straight at me and i was just mortified this was the the pinnacle of my humiliation. I sat on the bow of that boat dripping wet with this huge puddle beneath me. And the only thing worse than being a chubby boy is being a chubby, wet boy. Because the clothing that you are wearing sticks to the curvature of your body, revealing your cable TV figure. You look worse than you do in real life when you're wet. But his Mexican man was cracking jokes that were part of the tour guide patter. And he looked over at me and he saw me humiliated there. And he got this Texas flag, state flag towel, beach towel, and he wrapped me in it. He wrapped me in that towel and I felt a whole lot better. And I am a Floridian, but as of that day forward, I have been a Texas fan ever since. Now, don't misunderstand me. I don't mean Texas the team, college team. I mean Texas the state. It was a sweet, sweet act that that man did. And I looked at him while he'd give me that towel, and I noticed something about him. He was chubby, too. But it just didn't seem to bother him. He was comfortable with himself. Mother and I were sharing that memory, and it all came back to me. The humiliation, good Lord, every memory that I ever had around that childhood church potluck table when the women used to bring them casseroles in with the diced potatoes and the cream of chicken soup and the 10 gallons of melted cheese topped with cornflakes on top. And I would always go back and get thirds and fourths and fifths and sixths. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The world would be a better place if women would make more of that potato, cheese, cornflake casserole. And so my mother and I were interrupted by these children running around, shoving you know dirt up their noses. And then someone said, shh, she's here. And everybody got deathly quiet. And we saw the gate open and my sister burst through beneath the glow of them cocktail lights with her husband and her children with her. And everybody yelled, surprise. And we all clapped for her. And my mother raised her beer 
and my wife raised her beer, and I raised my beer. And I saw my sister run through and hug all her friends. There were lots of them there. And I didn't see a sister there before me. I didn't see a 30-year-old woman. I saw a little rosy-cheeked child. I saw a child with a pale complexion and curly, blondish dishwater hair like my sister had. I saw a girl who used to used to dress up, bundle up for, for the cold weather, and she'd run outside and she'd play with the stray dogs and the stray cats. I saw a girl who, who always was a little bit afraid of the weather, who was a little bit chubby as a child. I saw a girl who had cried on my shoulder many different times during her teenage career because girls tend to be a little bit dramatic when they don't have fathers. and We brothers try our best, but we screw up a lot, and I screwed up a lot. And I looked at her, the picture of, of womanhood. She looks so much like my mother. I've got these pictures of my mother when she was a senior in high school. Beautiful. She looks a lot like that woman in the photographs from World War II with them coffee can curls, her own mother. And my sister bears those marks of that beauty that's been passed down from generation to generation. But my sister, she doesn't see it. She looks into the mirror and she still sees that little thing looking back at her the same way I do. I guess what I'm saying is Maybe we're incapable of seeing what we are. You know, we know too much about ourselves. We've got a backstage pass. We can see ourselves from behind. And I'm going to tell you, I don't look good from behind. She came over, my sister, and she saw my mother and I. And we were drinking <laughs> from our solo cups, and she gave us a hug. And I said, happy birthday, Sarah. I'm she hugged my mother. My mother said the same thing. and Then my mother trotted away. And I saw my mother smiling with all her friends. And then she came back to me. And she looked over at my sister. She said, can you believe your sister's grown up? Can you believe how big she is? I said, no, I can't. She's, she's an adult now. She said, isn't it funny? Isn't growing up funny? And that was all she said. And I looked over to my left, and I saw this little boy who was shoving mud into his nostrils. I mean, he was getting it way up there. I just smiled at him. He was a little bit round. He had kind of a curly, curly set of hair. He had no idea how cute he was. Maybe you don't either. I know I sure didn't. But we're still here, and we're still trucking. Thank God for the Texas flag. Hey, thanks for listening to Sean of the South. I've been your host today, Sean Dietrich, and man, it's been a bona fide pleasure. This episode was brought to you by Case Knives, a tradition in my family dating back to my granddaddy, who once said the best cure for idle hands was to build something. So keep your hands sharp with a Case Knife. That music you heard behind me today was The Crickets, a female 
Americana group from the Gulf Coast, right in my backyard, whose music is what Paste Magazine calls a truly stunning, one-of-a-kind sound. I have been fortunate enough to share the stage with these ladies, and they are good, not just good, but world-class good. Their title track from their 2018 album, Red Bird, was just named Alternative Country Song of the Year at the 2019 Independent Music Awards. Do yourself a kindness and visit them online. Look them up at the crickets k-r-i-c-k-e-t-s and download their music today you will not regret it to find anything more about what i do you can visit sean of the south show.com and there you can find archived episodes dating back to our first episode all the way to this episode which you just heard though i don't know why you must have a terrible taste in podcasts and while you're there i hope it's time to drop me a line tell me about your birthday announcements wedding invitations and potluck socials and i do my best to read them over there for my friends when we do our live shows because i love to do that sort of stuff for my friends and speaking of friends friends when you walk through a storm, hold your head up high. Don't be afraid of the dark, because that's what Elvis said. Adios. Adios.